just a question whether or not Trump is racist. Does that make you racist? No. I think you bring anything what, um, to the Trump table, you're an idiot for validating him. <laughs> no, not really, because like I say, he's, he's a lot of fun. Oh, and there's a bit of a weird twist of fate here. As we were recording the podcast last week, yeah, talking about how um, is Trump bulletproof because you know he never goes down. Everyone thinks he's going to go down, and he never does. As we were recording that, he was quoted as saying, "Oh, I'm so popular right now. I'm so in control right now. I could shoot someone, and it wouldn't have any negative impact. It wouldn't harm me in any way in my campaign." <laughs> you know, that's quite apt. Actually, there is a comic that has just come out last month called Citizen Jack. Okay. Our character, this know-nothing schlub, this just loudmouth piece of shit. Right, I'm starting to see how you relate to him here. And he runs for uh, president in this kind of odd, quirky America. So an alternate universe type thing. And it's basically Trump. This This character is Trump. And in it, he shoots... One of uh, one of the people running against him in in, in, in his own party. <laughs> Somehow I could see that happening, and I could see it being Ben Carson as well. You'd right. shoot Ben Carson and say something like "Stitch that up, Doctor." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've prepared some YouTube videos in advance. Obviously, we can't watch those, but we can hear the audio. Yes. And I'm going to try and rip an MP3 from the YouTube video and splice it in with the audio from this recording as well. Totally overly ambitious. Totally the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. (laughs) Completely amateurish. Two white Um, guys decided to do a podcast despite having no specialist knowledge in anything. This is clearly about a sexless, girlfriendless existence. No, we're we're specialists. We're specialist needs. And we need to be heard. That's what we're specializing in. Needing to be heard. Actually, I was reading a really interesting article about Indians in World War II. This is the the David Lammy thing, right? David Lammy was on the Daily Politics. Yeah. He claimed that Indians fought alongside the British, given that India was part of the empire, in World War II in support of what he said, the European project, i.e. the EU. Now, of course, the EU didn't exist oh, well. until after. But the reaction, I think there was like a conservative guy sat to his right. Yeah. His face at the moment that David Lammy says that is absolutely priceless. I've noticed that there is an eagerness with a lot of people these days to rewrite history like that. Like, do it in a really blasé way as well, to just announce it, just throw it out there. Basically, it reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend of mine about multiculturalism. Because mm-hmm. this was around the time that uh, Trevor Phillips came out and said, maybe I was wrong, maybe multiculturalism doesn't work. And um, she was saying to me, oh, the Vikings, the Vikings proved that uh, Britain has always been a multiculturalist country. We've always had multiculturalism in Britain. And I was thinking, oh my God, are you fucking serious? The Vikings didn't come here to open a restaurant, to run a corner shop. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's they not pillage. why they came. They, yeah, they, they pillaged the North of England. And pillage. If, even if you want to rewrite history and get rid of the word rape because no one actually wants to talk yeah. about the word rape. Millennials have this weird thing of where they equate things that aren't equatable. So in this instance... Oh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? As in, they'll take two disparate ideas... Two separate ideas, yeah, and then equate them and conflate them as though they were the same thing. Okay, so they, yeah, 
Yep. Okay. You, you, you're forcing a, a water and oil thing and then trying to say it's an actual something. My friend who said that Vikings prove, the Viking invasion proves that Britain's always had multiculturalism. Clearly what they're doing is saying multiculturalism and uh, militant colonialism. Oh, they're the same thing. No, they're not. They're not the same thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're clearly not the same thing. Like I said, Vikings didn't come here to join their families to <laughs> do you know what I mean they didn't come here to get a job in a factory all those famous fjords they built up there up yeah. in the north they arrived on York, boats York, York is known as the fjordland that's yeah. they arrived on boats suddenly in the night yeah but that doesn't mean they're the same Ooh, thing like, like a like a viking milk tray man but that doesn't mean they're the same thing as a <clears throat> a bunch of migrants I like the idea of a bunch of migrants just just the words a bunch of migrants okay this is where i remember hyman's not up to date on no, anything I'm, political i'm i'm up to date on things but i also like he doesn't know I this like- is a reference to david cameron is it yeah. no i do david cameron in a uh, pmqs on wednesday prime minister's questions yeah yeah he said oh um jeremy corbyn he's spent the day with a bunch of migrants something to that effect right? a bunch basically of he migrants. said a bunch of migrants and everyone went Ape shit. Well, all the MPs, well, all the on. MPs in Parliament, they all lost their minds. If it was, if it was said in that type of tone, and this is just me hearing it third hand, a bun- meeting with a bunch of migrants. Yeah, that's not insulting. If someone is a migrant and they are a group of people, it's like saying a couple of migrants, a bunch. Yeah. Is 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 it the word bunch that seems almost? This is flippant? why I can't understand. Is, is it, it the, the word bunch? The word bunch. Is it the word bunch or migrant that they people have taken offence to? And it was a real sudden rush. What, like to, a sense of urgency. On this. You juxtapose that with this Calais crisis. This has been going on for decades, right? There have oh, been God, migrants yeah. stuck there for decades. And they only have any... RMPs, they only have any sense of urgency when somebody uses the wrong word. They don't actually... Oh, it's a PR they've nothing, crisis. They've done nothing to try and crisis. fix it. All they've done is say, well, it's Calais' problem. And Calais is saying, no, it's your problem. And there's uh, been no... There's a part of Calais which is, is British and a part of... Like, there's a small little port part of it where the trucks come in, which sovereignty is given over to the British police. Let me guess, the migrants and the refugees, they're right. They're just on the... They're like 10 metres away from where we... No, (laughs) there is a shit ton of security to keep them out of that area. They're just 10 metres away from our There is more money put into that than there is keeping them out of Dover. But what does it say about our parliament that they've done nothing for years on dealing with this issue and the truck drivers are trying to make it a big deal. They're trying to sound the alarm and saying, look, it's getting more and more hectic out here. They've got crowbars now. They've got like bolt cutters, whereas before they didn't have those kind of things. They were just like ripping into the back of the lorries. Now they've got the tools. Yeah, there should be a real sense of urgency on this issue. And there isn't. The only sense of urgency comes when it's, oh, the prime minister's, he used the wrong words. Well, first it started off as he used the wrong words. And then people asked, oh, what, bunch? Bunch, was that the wrong word? Like, all bunch means is many of. And was it migrant? Was migrant the wrong word? And then they switched it to, oh, no, no, no. Uh, it was the callous tone oh, with which he said oh, it. it. Like, oh, okay, why, why doesn't he care about every single word he says? He's a politician. He has to, you know, he's the head of state. He should know everything. He has total control over everything he says, which is stupid. Because if you raise well, people into these godhood state statuses, well, that it's, just, you, it's just so you can push them up, so you can pull them down. Well, that seems to be the conclusion the press has come to they think Cameron what he said was completely premeditated it was planned ahead of time and they call it a dead cat and a dead cat is this um, idea when you've got some bad news that's coming out this day you take a dead cat and you throw it out there publicly like very publicly so everyone looks at at the dead cat but I'm thinking like really 
our cultures come down to oh, I, no, you but, say a bunch of migrants knowing that the public and the other MPs on the opposite side they're going to lose their minds over it it's like Jesus Christ that's what it's come to well <laughs> but what value is there in um in language policing tone well, policing because it's everything is mitigated everything is broken down it's to its constituent constituent parts yeah and if you can break it down and if you can give veracity to the smallest little piece you feel you've taken a larger chunk of the bigger whole i don't follow i don't follow what you i say if you can break it if you can pick them apart at their smallest words they say you feel you've taken a punch at the giant that is yeah but it's desperate though there's there's real reaching involved here yeah but that's open to everyone everyone can have a comment it's why i've got a problem with comment bars in newspapers have your say what did you think you're like it doesn't matter it doesn't fucking no one cares i love no one cares it's just your place to go rah 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 i think the font you use is terrible some are actually quite good though yeah there is a discussion forum chat For- software no forums thing. are different yeah but there's one called discuss d-i-s-q-u-s and there's a lot of like magazines the american and- spelling but there's a lot of magazine and uh, websites that this is their integrated comment section. Oh, it so filters like, through it. Yeah. So you, if you have um, if you have an account on Discuss, whatever website you go to that uses Discuss, that's your account, and they're actually quite good because it's not complete vitriol. Some of it is actually, yeah. Some of the people out there, they do kind of know their stuff. They know mm. their politics history. Do you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not all completely bad. And I hate. I'm subscribed to the New Statesman, yeah. and they just uh, recently got rid of their comment section on their website. Really? Yeah. And now I like I can't stand. I don't go there anymore because I hate when I read an article. When I read an article that I disagree with or what have you like that. Yeah. And I want to see if like, am I alone? Even just that much? Am I completely alone in thinking this is bollocks? But but I feel that's the problem. All right. Every everyone has to be. No no one's allowed to have an opinion themselves. They have to be bolstered by other people going like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Going like, wait, that person says I'm right. So I I must be right. No, no one's allowed the silence of themselves of growing and, and exploring something. So, yes, you can get kind of this quagmire of just the shallow pool of information. You just become like repeating on yourself but like I, an echo chamber yeah but yeah, i also but, but i also dislike the idea that everyone is validated by someone else patting them on the back like if an article or on a website a web page like yeah. if it was just obviously blatant bollocks yeah you'd want the first comment that's there to be this article is bollocks here's why and like, you, you they'll have like links it's to almost, other things disproving there's, it there's a return really. channel of information yeah it's back and forth it's a feedback that's but what the internet is great but it's not you for. you're literally changing nothing in the media that's put, you're having, putting it out. You're having discussion. Because I love dissenting opinion, and I don't care how it's phrased. I don't care what language is used. Well, I disagree with you on that, it's so... Long, doesn't matter. You can be really shitty about it. Yeah. And to me, it's an internet comment section. Who cares? If people are being a bit really shitty about it, who cares? Just having that dissenting opinion, there's value in that. And I feel like we're heading into a culture where that's not allowed. Rabid feminists tried to remove rabid feminists from the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, actually, no, no, I take it back. The The way they phrase the argument is stupid. The central point they're using where the, not rabid, was it frantic? Hold uh, on, let, let me have a quick they look. Were, they weren't all, like, pertaining to feminists. Some were, like, nagging wife was mm. one. The, okay, the, the point of the article was that the the dictionary would have a description of the word, but then how the word is used. The article, by the context way, by, of the word. Uh, Brendan O'Neill, who's like a chubby Danny Dyer. But Brendan O'Neill... Neil's article talking about how um, rabid feminists trying to get rabid feminists removed from the Oxford Dictionary. It's used with, where you look up the word rabid. You know there's an example sentence given normally. The word includes rabid feminists. Mm. The example. No, I, I in, in essence, I agree with that. Removing it? Yeah. Why? Because the way you use words is the way you actually ascribe value to something. It's just, it's literally just an example. That's all no, it is. I not, mean, it's not an no, endorsement of it at no, all. It, no, but it is subconsciously. No, you can, you, 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 no, you can use the word rabid Rabid dog. Rabid dog actually has... Rabid dog would mean physically attacking you and biting you. Do you know what I mean? That's not really the same thing as like saying someone a human being is being rabid no I, I think it is it is to it is the same meaning I mean oh. no I think it's softer than that it doesn't necessarily mean they're gnashing their teeth at you and trying to bite your skin off like, do you know what I mean I don't know there are a lot of women that no wait hold on <laughs> <laughs> I ascribe to the understanding of the way you say something is the are you way saying, you way are you, you saying you that's see the something? argument is obviously not all feminists are rabid feminists they're not all crazy they're not all man haters that's, that's yeah. the argument yeah, yeah and it does punch them. I hate this. I really do hate this. And it's the taking everything literally and saying, oh, oh, you're generalizing. You're generalizing. How dare you? You can't say that about, you cannot say that about all people. Can't stand that argument. Everyone but, generalizes. But no, but any, any type of philosophy or any type of political leaning or something like that, it has... You don't see it on no, the right, though. No, you don't no, see but, that on the right. No, but it does. It does. You it has, it has a contextual weight to it. You don't see tone yeah, it, it, A social contextual weight to it that it can't be controlled, but you can control it some ways by having it in uh, official, official tomes, like the dictionary if you can step it out of it it's just an example it, it may be just an example to you but for someone not coming an up, endorsement but for someone that's coming to it afresh it yeah. validates it no what do you mean it validates it it validates it, va- it validates a feminist a complete, as rabid it validates what a complete rejection of anything feminine like generally of course it doesn't no it's just it an does. example no it adds it adds that social weight to that word rabid and feminist it, no, it, it no it does it it, it links them too it doesn't it people links, are not that stupid people are that stupid no, especially when they especially when they're growing up and they're learning these new terms listen how many people even read the dictionary all right it's not, I'm, it's so, I'm, just, I'm sorry no it's what you're saying is nonsense right no it's, it's not just nonsense. an example it's, it's not no, an endorsement of people it. use the dictionary they really no they don't. may not have a physical copy but they use the dictionary which is online and say they the really on- don't it's the book that everyone has on their shelf that they've never opened okay so another we, person we, we just we disagree on that all right i said i ascribe to the value of the words you use as the way you think about something yeah another another one which i imagine you agree with was for nagging mm. the example was nagging wife see nagging wife has a very um 1920s kind of punch a punch cartoon feel to it but no one's going to get the context of the cartoon the new uh not, the, the punch cartoon feel to it it's not based on a cartoon no it is it's ba- it's got a it's got a context to it it's got How a do you know that the guy who wrote the dictionary didn't have a nagging wife <laughs> 
Nagging is ascribed to women as opposed to men. Yes, because men don't, by and large, men don't nag. Well, I, I think, we men, I think men do nag. I think they use another word for nag. They bother, they uh, harangue, they... No, actually, no, women Women are seen... Uh, the word harangue is ascribed to women. It's yeah, no, femininity, no, no, no. right? But You're nag, saying women nag, nag men, na- men harass. We're, we're not France. We don't have a male and female version of a word. We have a one word that is supposed to be unisexual. You we're, say we're, gender, gender neutral. Gen, gender neutral, exactly. Yeah. But nagging has a female a, connotation. a feminine connotation to yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm I think okay that, that and I think no, but I think that's wrong. Why? Because it's it doesn't have it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be gender neutral. Yeah, but doesn't it go does it not cut both ways? Are there not things that people say uh negative to men? That yeah. Yeah, I have a problem with that as well. I really don't. I really don't have a problem. But with it's it. using shortcuts and language, and you're basically devolving the language to you're like, yeah, everyone knows what that means. Going like, no, actually, no, use florid language that. to get the point it you doesn't want. Doesn't mean that it, using the example nagging wife doesn't mean every time you hear the word nagging, oh, I'm picturing a nagging wife because I once read in dictionary. No, not wife. not so much wife, but nagging is people equates not to women. That. Women equates to Look, it. Also, are stupid, no, but they're but not if that you, if you, mindless. No, but if you use the word nagging in a male context you're almost again the, the, the you're yeah, you're, you're yeah. feminizing the man you're you're degrading the man which is also quite a negative thing to see male and female as positive and because negative most men don't do it they don't nag yes they do we complain i nag I, I, <laughs> you tell me one time i haven't nagged you rant people make this argument there's this kind of notion that you can get rid of bad ideas by getting rid of bad words and you can't it's the other way around you get rid of bad words by eliminating bad ideas and language policing to me is just a cheap little shortcut to oh we're we're not really doing anything but we're pretending that we've made a difference here okay i'm not saying get rid of the word nagging i'm saying ascribe it a different value in a tome that has weight to it but what's wrong with an apt example what you're saying right to me Mm. is someone is looking at a dictionary and they're going to see the word nagging it's going to say nagging wife and they're going to have no clue whatsoever what the hell that means nagging wife why what what no why no. wives don't no. nag what is no, that? What? But, but that example what is that? I don't no. know what this word means but now because no. wives nagging what does no, that mean people immediately they're going to read it and they're going to immediately know oh I know exactly what no, the word nagging no, means no they're going to ascribe a value to it and I'm saying if you get rid of the femininity to that you're actually growing people you're changing the idea no you're not this is what I don't <laughs> it's spoken about in these really grandiose terms of oh yeah you changed people's idea and you changed society no you don't it doesn't change anything yes it does it these any subtle changes you no, can it doesn't it makes you feel it might better. not change you because you've no, grown makes, up in it it makes you feel better it doesn't change anything people look at it they see nagging wife they go okay i know now what nagging means <laughs> rabid feminist i really wanted to show you this richard dawkins sent out a tweet of a youtube video the one with the animated one yeah and it's an islamist and a rabid radical feminist which looked a lot like elton john but we're gonna have a little have a little listen here trigger warning what's a trigger warning trigger warning is where only fools and horses is gonna come on 
Oh, come on, that was terrible, but it was worth it. That was it. forced. But we're going to have a little... It's, the song is no, very, very it, offensive. No, well, no, I literally don't know what a trigger warning is. Oh, uh, trigger warning is when something offensive is about to come up, you give people prior warning about so it. So like a spoiler warning for movies and stuff. We're going to have a listen to this song. This is what Richard Dawkins tweeted out that caused a lot of offence. And uh, he was due to give a speech at a... I think it was a scepticism convention of some kind. Do you yeah, know he got uh, asked to... Leave. He was invited, no. and then he tweeted this video out. As a result of that, he was disinvited. I am an Islamist. I am a feminist. You might not think we have very much in common. But we share essentially the same ideology. And Muslims are oppressed just like every woman. I say haram. I say problematic You say everything's triggering And you say everything's uncharenic Cause you are an Islamist And you are a feminist We have so very much in common You know what makes me feel like really marginalised, yeah? It is when ignorant people remind me that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had sex with a little nine-year-old girl Mohammed had sex with a child? Oh, that's awesome! Oh, who would have thought that you and me would get along so well? I say social justice. I say jihad. I say slut walk. I say whore, where is your hijab? Cause I am an Islamist. And I am a feminist. We have so very much in common. Okay, so obviously that is quite, quite offensive, isn't it? It's um on the nose. Yeah, it's brutal. But I also think it is quite funny. Like it it it, it, it highlights a couple of things. It's obviously like more 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 kind of like generalized titles of stuff can be uh, appropriated by two different groups, and they're looking at it from two different angles and get angry at it, but then feel like they're not the same. Yeah, I don't agree with the oh, we have the same ideology. Obviously, that's not true. But I mean, what? I mean, okay. If, if anything, I think we should talk about Dawkins putting it out. The man shouldn't have done that. Yeah, well, this I mean, that, it's I mean, obviously hyperbolic. It's obviously exaggerated. I'm not saying there's like a clear, crystal clear truth in it. But within every joke, there's a truth. Yeah, there's obviously some... Like, they are based on two real people. The really? Islamist is a real person. And uh, the woman is a, a radical feminist called Big Red. Okay. She... Yeah, she became like an internet sensation, I think, like 2011, 2012. Something oh, like that. I have no idea who that is. She got a lot of harassment, a lot of people. There was a video of her at a men's rights thing. And she was outside and she was like reading some speech. And she was saying to the guys there, like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, I'm talking. You shut the fuck up when I'm talking, blah, blah, blah. Like, being, basically being a dick, right? So she was using male archetypes to talk to males, like, treating them like women. I don't know. I've no, I don't think spoken, it was that I've deep. Never, <laughs> I've never spoken to a woman like that in my life, do you know what I mean? trying to justify it in how um it's obviously trying hard to be offensive do you know what i mean i mean in essence i mean what it's it's trying really hard to be it's trying to it's doing what you were saying before it was uh what you disagreed with before was trying to make two disparate ideas work together well it said it said in the video oh we share the same ideology that's obviously not true but that video was posted shortly after the uh i never know if you pronounce it cologne or cologne came out shortly after 
that. And that is a reference to this idea that this is obviously what feminists have been saying for a while now about rape culture. Okay. Like, this is that. This game, this Tamarish Gamea, whatever, where a bunch of men congregate together and start groping women in large numbers. The perception was Western feminists didn't really have anything to say about this. In fact... Because they felt like it would be racist to say something? Or, like, culturally culturally wrong to point out something from a different culture? They basically decided, let's not talk about it. Oh, okay. And it's like, whoa, hold on. Normally, you can't wait to talk about things like this, right? Fair enough. Rightly so. So they're they're holding up a different type of um, not true. There's two different ideologies here. Like one is obviously feminism. There's sacredness to one thing. Well, I think there's two ideologies that have smashed each other head on. Yeah. And basically, one ideology has now superseded the other. So they have feminist ideology, standing up for women, like, and then there's uh, cultural relativism, the idea that you can't say one culture is better or superior to another. Yeah. You could come up with an objective criteria, a list of things. No, I mean, I, and unfortunately, it's a very... Uh, that you would it, say It's, it's a skewed understanding of... It's, it's seen as bravado, as opposed to... Uh, it's seen as uh, imperialist racism when you well, say, I mean, like... I mean, yeah. It, I'd rather live in no, this country it's used or as that imperialist country over racism, this country or that country. But it's, a, it's got this sense of bravado saying, we're better than you at this, so we don't... So the things that we're bad at, we're still better than them at this. So we don't have to fix anything. Because we're better than them. Or these people are bad at this, so they're terrible yes. at it. So let's I think that's too much there's there's a leap. Do you think there. that's too childish? There's a leap in my logic. A little bit in that you're ascribing malicious intent when there really doesn't need to be any. Well, any you list could is... come up you I think you could come up with a fairly objective criteria, list of no, say I like, mean, like no, cultural but... standards or values, an objective list of cultural standards or values. And you could tick and you could go, Okay, this country here this one, country X, this has more ticks than country Y. And ever you could on that basis say, yeah, I'd rather live in that uh, culture, excuse me, rather than yeah, country. But it's, it, but it's not, culture, but lists, and not be by lists in general are not designed to actually look at anything further than that. They're designed to make an account of the now. They're not designed to look at the future. Feminism and cultural relativism have smashed together. Yeah. And feminism looks like it's lost out to cultural relativism. The idea that one culture can't be claimed to be superior or better in any way than another one. I mean, if anything, to break it down into even smaller parts on this, you take away the point of the video and you look at the way it was posted and brought out to our attention. Yeah, Hold Richard on. Dawkins tweeted out this video. How the hell could anyone let him do that? Do you think that's enough to justify, oh, we were going to invite you to give a speech, but now we're not going to I think it gives anymore. them justification to not have him. What, what, how does it harm their reputation? Do you understand? Like, Richard Dawkins tweeting that out, right? Yeah. If no one made... A fuss about that no one would know so your organization coming along and saying oh this is offensive we don't want to be associated with this well you're not really associated with it anyway i think because uh, it was a skepticism convention wasn't it yeah where skepticism is seen as uh looking for yeah rational answers like i don't know what he was trying to say no, honestly, and that, when he's that, tweeting again, out that video problem. i don't know what he was trying to say i don't think he was literally saying oh my god like this is feminism and this is islamism i don't know what he's trying to say by tweeting it out but i and don't think he's saying and that's i think the failure in it that he doesn't that you the viewer of the material don't know what he's trying to say so it loses all bite and can only be concluded as or gives veracity to the conclusion that he is making a stance against feminism or islam i don't think he is though is clearly a ridiculous over-the-top hyperbolic exaggerated 
parody. But yeah. you don't think the point could have been made in a much more not subtle way? But not even. Talking... But this thing, I don't think you have to justify every little thing that you do like that just because someone takes it the wrong way. If you're in the spotlight, you have to understand that no. whatever you do has weight to it. Yeah, but it, you're saying like, oh, if you're a public figure, there are responsibilities that come with that. But it doesn't only happen to public figures. It happens to public figures, and it happens to nobodies as well that tweet something out that someone took offense to and it became vi- it went viral so everyone knew about it including TMZ and what have you yeah and then they became public figures no but that's I can't remember how you're supposed uh, to am I conflating something you've got the horse and the cart the wrong way around do you know what I mean you're saying like oh we treat them my public figure by making them a public figure yeah that's like a self-fulfilling you can't it is a self-fulfilling but that's why people go on X Factor they want to no, become you can't famous do that. they person, don't want to be good at music there are people out there when they're tweeting these things when they're tweeting their opinions out there when they're doing things like what we're doing now when they're recording a podcast they're essentially putting their opinions out there yeah right you can't say they're accountable for every single possible way someone could misconstrue what they're saying misinterpret it i'm not saying they should i'm not saying they should be accountable but i'm saying they should have it in the back of their minds but the skepticism thing the point you were making earlier about this is kind of ironic because a skeptic would question richard dawkins themselves and say yeah what um there's a bit of a weird video to tweet out rich what's going on like what what's the story behind this do you want to elaborate on this a little bit that's what a skeptic would do a rational person person would do but then you also like that's why they talk about like uh skeptics and atheists are becoming as rabid as religious because they're like locking themselves into this point of view there's a real zealotry there zealotry that's the word yeah a zealotry to it because you can't call it religion religion means um there has to be a higher purpose to human existence and or at least or there isn't an other a be it a force of something or social justice is the concept of social justice the god there was an emotional knee-jerk reaction to this and it was in favor of big red the feminist uh, the radical feminist like the man the proper man-hating type do you know what i mean like i'm not saying all feminists are like that but i'm saying this one is she plays the role they were really concerned about her they didn't give a damn about the islamists right so they're making their own judgments as well. Do you know what I mean? They're saying, yeah, well, yeah, well, the Islamists actually, yeah, they probably deserve to be hated on. But Big Red, the feminist, oh, what are you trying to say? Feminists shouldn't be hated on. Ah, well, okay. It's I like, mean, look, if, apply if, your own standards. Yeah, but if you, you watch the... I mean? But I think we've got to a point where taking offense to things and treating it as though it's a moral virtue, like it's highly moral to have... Richard Dawkins tweet that out and your immediate knee-jerk emotional response is condemnation instead of being what why? this convention you mean you mean asking why was this brought up yeah to say look what are you what are you actually trying but to say but that's what like, twitter open... is twitter is a series of statements no one is asking for a dialogue what, on twitter but why not that's exactly what it's but that's not what the medium is designed for it's it's perfectly attuned for that no it's not perfectly attuned with 140 characters it's about posting yeah, things it's about true throwing you out there and then true, saying like, you don't like it well there's going to be a new one any second it's bite-sized but again you can have a back and forth twitter is no, not just the right because medium you can doesn't mean it's designed for it yeah but you can it's a it's a tune to have a back and forth and i see frequently on twitter people do this thing where they number the posts like little things like that it's not a massive effort is it really mm. but then as you said like the skepticism thing like why didn't why why was yeah. he asked that's what thing? i'm questioning here but you also have to remember like conferences like that are designed heavily about a curtailing one point not curtailing uh focusing one point this is the point of this conference today everyone is on everyone is on topic for this this well, is, it should just be skepticism conferences have a point 
It's not relevant to his talk. But it'll be brought up. It'll it'll sideline um, everything that he's going to try and get across. So it's better to have him step away and not sideline everyone else's point. But I know people him. in the skepticism movement, they are a little bit sick and tired of what they might call the PC brigade. brigade. What do you mean by that? What has it got to do with skepticism? This idea of um, tone policing, language policing, what has that got to do with it? Yeah, and if he comes in and the last thing anyone recognises about him is that tweet that he did, then he can't move on and make the point that he wants to make. How petty is that, though? We're talking about a guy... He's been well-renowned since the 70s. How petty is it to say, like, oh, this guy, he's so accomplished over X number of decades, but no, we judge him on the very last thing that he did. I don't think you can judge a person on the, the last thing that he did. It'll certainly overshadow the talk. If you don't make a big deal about it, why would it? <laughs> I ran this person over, but as long as I don't make a big deal about it, it's fine. No one no so one bring it up. So what? Someone emailed them going, oh, did you see this tweet Richard Dawkins sent out? Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but whatever. <laughs> I kind of almost don't want to talk about The Assassin. It's part Chinese, part Taiwanese. Uh, pretty much art house movie. And it's, are you aware of a genre of movie, a Chinese genre of movie? Well, you're taking, it's a martial arts film. Yeah. And it's incorporating like old folk tales and legends and myths where it's very kind of heavy on period drama rather than actual kung fu fighting scenes. And The Assassin, I have to say, it is probably aesthetically the best looking film I've ever seen in my life. The composition, the vibrancy of the colors, all of that was absolutely outstanding. And uh, Ho Xiao Xian. But he uses a lot of wide angle language landscape shots okay so he's trying to capture the moment and yeah and he holds it there for a long time yeah and you'll see the characters way off in the distance and it's very very slow a real slow burn and i'm okay with slow burns but as long as there's a plot that i can care about and the problem with me with the assassin it was based on an old i think chinese tale maybe taiwanese tale of a king whose bird wouldn't sing anymore his wife, queen, whatever. She said, oh, maybe it's because the bird's lonely. If you get a mirror, you can trick the bird into thinking it's not alone anymore and it will start singing. And so the king gets a mirror, puts it in front of the bird. The bird starts singing, but it starts singing a very sorrowful, heartbreaking kind of song. Now, imagine trying to make a film around that legendary tale. That's actually kind of not too hard. That's a that's a good tone of prison drama. There have been some great prison dramas that use the psychology of a captive that pretty much have you've summed up in that Taiwanese tale. I mean, admittedly, it's it's used more like a. The a film s- is called The Assassin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uh, like, okay. put a bit of perspective on that one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm going into this. All I knew about it going into is that there's uh, a young woman who's been... She was sent away as a young girl uh, to a nun princess. And uh, the nun princess, for some reason or other, that I, I don't think was explained. But she trains the young girl to be an expert assassin. And then the nun sends her off to kill... I think he's like a lord, some kind of... Like, maybe like some warlord or something like that, right? She's sent to go kill this lord guy. That's his title anyway. Sure. And she doesn't do it because the lord is sleeping... And and uh, he's got his son in his arms whilst they're sleeping, right? So she doesn't kill him because she's like, oh, the boy was there and I didn't, yeah, she didn't have the heart to do it. So the thing is like already at the beginning, we're told that she's very compassionate. We're shown that she's highly compassionate. She's not cold hearted, not cold blooded. 
And so anyway, she's failed her mission. She hasn't killed the guy. So the nun sends her back to her hometown where her cousin is, uh, he's like a general in the army and he basically runs that province. And the nun has given her instructions to kill her cousin. But problem is her cousin was her first love. When they were kids, they were inseparable. And then she got sent off, I think, like age eight, age nine. It's a really enigmatic film and there's not a lot of exposition. So you're kind of constantly guessing what the hell Trying this film is about. Do you know the narrative. I mean, there's one point where there's another female assassin, one who wears a gold mask, right? I thought that was the first girl. I thought it was the same woman. I, like to this day, I still don't know who that character was. But I was thinking that it's the same character. She's just wearing a mask to hide her identity, obviously, right? Because she doesn't want her cousin to recognize her. But it's not. It's a completely different woman. And they fight each other. And during the fight, I'm like, well, who is she? I don't even know who she is. Okay, so it's a, it's a beautiful looking movie. How does, it, how does it stand up to, say, other other movies? Like Crouching Tiger. Like Crouching Tiger Hero. or... Um, Take Hero. Or Hero, yeah. Uh, remove about 60% of the fight scenes. Slow the pace of the film right down and then you've got the assassin and the fight scenes themselves were a let down because this director Ho Xiaoxian he's not really a kung fu movie is guy. he more theater or is he yeah, more exactly yeah so the fight scenes themselves obviously we understand she's an expert assassin she's an expert fighter but they express this in that really cheap way where she she leans back two inches and like nothing hits her you know the sword just goes whoosh, straight oh. past her because she just she moved one inch that way she knew the sword. She is in total control of her you know I mean? herself and her environment type thing. So yeah. yeah, there's one bit where she does like an actual acrobatic kick. But anyway, like the fight scenes themselves are kind of boring. The plot moves too slow, so that when it is punctuated with this fight scenes. Because the fight scenes are so quick and they're not really that well done. It doesn't make up for the slowness. I think you are expected to have some knowledge of what this legend is and what the history of that 8th century China, what it was like, in order to fully appreciate, do you know what I mean? To fully understand what you're watching. But I'll give an example. Yeah. There are certain shots where someone will be doing something really mundane, right? You okay. see, they're just kind of sitting there, not really doing anything. And it'll go for like a minute, minute and a half. And then it'll just cut to something else. It does kind of suck you in, the visuals. Mm. Like I said, the composition, the vibrancy of the colours and the set design and the wide shots the clothing uh, what do you call it costume design all of yeah, that is amazing design. all yeah. completely on point and that sucks you in but the plot itself is really boring so would you recommend it? I wouldn't recommend paying to see it because okay. I don't think you I don't think it's not a movie that I think would really make that much of a difference if you saw it on a, in the cinema on a big silver screen mm. as opposed to just watching it on a big TV I think you'd still get the same out of it but talking of slow movies, the second movie that was to be reviewed is The Revenant. And we watched that recently. What does The Revenant mean, Hyman? You know what? I actually don't know what the word means. I think it means someone who has come back. Guess it's the implication is from the dead. The, this, is, this is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, uh, which... Alejandro Gonzalez... In a, in a, in a, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we saw. Be, him, I could have got that right. I don't we know. saw his movie, so yeah. we we're on first name terms. Alejandro. He did we the Birdman. This is a movie which is quite apt in tone. I feel. I. I What's the plot though? Give a basic uh, outline. No, see, plot. I'm going to bring I'm gonna the plot, plot in a sec. All right, it, it's set in the stark wilderness of the north in say. 
1600? No. I have no, no idea. The not. time of Frontiersmen, basically. Yeah, Frontiersmen. Trap, uh, trappers and uh, skinners and... Fighting off the Native Americans, the indigenous population still. Leonardo DiCaprio plays Hugh Glass. Now, you might be thinking, why would they choose that name? That sounds like Hugh Jars. It's because it's actually you... based on a real person, this film. This is one of those based on the true story things. Leo's character, Hugh Glass, he's a Frontiersman. I think he's a um, fur trapper. And he, he's out. He's, he's a... been collecting pelts. Now, did you he's figure not, out he's what... Not a, he's not a fur trapper. Oh, He's a tracker. It? Oh, right, okay, yeah. He's a tracker hired by the fur, tra- uh, right, fur right, trappers. Right. He's a... He knows the terrain yeah. kind of thing. He's right. a tracker who has a history of uh, uh, living in the land, has a son who? that's with him who's, say, teenage... He's half Native American, right? Yeah. They call him he... hybrid. Yeah. Well, it's never fully explained how he ended up with a Native American wife. It doesn't matter. It's it, the, the Having the teenage son is to represent him being indoctrinated into that world. Yeah, he's been his dad for a while. <laughs> Leo has a connection to the Native Americans that comes into play later on in the film. But getting to the point, Hugh Glass, he's noted in history because he was mauled by a bear and then left for dead by his brothers in arms, I guess. I don't know. But then by the fur trappers running away from the Shawnee uh, Indians tracking them. Yeah. And he survived and he came back and that's why he's the Revenant. It's set up or it's sold to us, the audience member, as a, as a revenge movie. Yeah. It, it feels very much like sold as a revenge movie. Coming back from the dead to to avenge his his honour and his son. Yeah, because Leo is obviously the protagonist in the film. Mm. And the antagonist is Tom Hardy, who I thought was fantastic in this film. Oh, yeah, no. Throws himself into this role perfectly. He is the role. Because I saw in reviews Leo getting praise for his ability to be able to act through his eyes. But in that context, Tom Hardy completely outshone him, completely stole the show. As you say, you watch Leo and you're like, oh, this is Leo doing this kind of character in this scenario. But then you look at Tom Hardy and you completely buy into he is 100% this character is a real character it's not Tom Hardy playing someone it's whoever that character is and in this film the character is Fitzgerald he is the antagonist to Hugh Glass the protagonist see I think everyone in this movie gives 100% I didn't buy into Leo as much as I did Tom Hardy I disagree with you totally on this I believe everyone in there embodies the character they're supposed to be halfway through the film I was on Tom Hardy's side and I thought yeah the guy's half dead he's just been mauled half to death by a bear I'm gonna leave him behind I'm gonna do the mercy killing I'm gonna shoot him in the head but Leonardo DiCaprio has to get across twofold one the character he is and also the idea that he is a father I felt that I felt that he was a father looking after his son um, and even with flashbacks in it that there was a history to these characters that didn't have to be spelled out to me and I enjoyed that but he had more to shoulder in it no really he grunted a lot he grunted but I believe the grunt for me Tom Hardy was actually way more three dimensional than Leo like I say halfway through the film I was on Tom Hardy's side I was like yeah I completely relate to this guy I agree with him I actually feel sorry for him a little bit like the fact that the Indians scalped him they, at some point prior to the movie the Indians catch him and they scalp him and you know you actually have that sympathy for it's him it's an unshown scene which we feel it made him sympathetic yeah and I was on his side whereas Leo was just a guy okay yeah he's got um, a Native American side on that's interesting dynamic i guess but it doesn't really say anything about him to me do you know what i mean and uh, then he's he's attacked by a bear as- aside from that i think like the secondary the second layer of this movie is the cinematography it was beautiful to watch mm. it was it it had almost a kind of a, like talk a, more about a, a like, david lean type feel to it these stark open verandas that you before we th- get to that kind of stuff okay though, talk more about tom hardy Fitz, Fitzgerald character he decides 
kids. You know what? I don't really want to stay behind and look after Leo. He's half dead. He's probably not going to make it anyway. He's been mauled half to death by a bear. He's going to die. I'm just going to leave him. And he kills Leo DiCaprio's son. Because he was basically like, he was baggage. Well, no, he's, he's going to slow him down. No, he, he's he, going to be, you, you killed kill my dad. Yeah, I mean, he killed him because the dead. son was, yeah, shouting. Yeah. And they're being tracked by the Native Americans that threw them off the well, trapper. Yeah, I guess they were. They weren't they were. really that's around. Why he was, that's why he had to kill him. He killed the son because the son was shouting. Yeah, and yeah. there was the constant threat of yeah. the, the Native Americans coming so he didn't know so he had to kill him again that makes him sympath- well not sympathetic but you can understand no, his makes motivations. him justified tell talk to me about the cinematography i think an- another major point of this movie is a beautiful looking film and what it does very well is it, it captures the open starkness this nature is the enemy you never know to- where death is going to come from in this film exactly it's, it's like nothing is on your side on this there is there is you and there is the null and it's right off the bat as well. It's kind of like Saving Private Ryan. People just dying horribly right off the bat. Brutal arrows through the skull and things like that. A lot of stark wilderness movies uh, have a same tone. This trapped in the middle of nowhere and there's only you versus... The elements. The elements. Yeah, and at no point did it feel like they were shooting on a soundstage. I don't know if they it was 100% shot on location or not, but it felt 100% shot on location. If the location manager could win an Oscar or an award, I would give it to them. I think in terms of how the movie's crafted it is Oscar worthy like the sound is fantastic the what do you call it cinematography yeah it's Oscar bait but do you think Leo's performance was Oscar worthy I think he was outshone by Tom Hardy now how can you give an Oscar to Leo but not to Tom Hardy I know I understand obviously one's a lead actor one's a supporting actor look I, I think for direction it's brilliant the bear scene we haven't even talked about the we bear haven't, we haven't scene talk, we, we haven't, haven't mentioned that That's we the haven't talked about the, the bear film. scene but the, the, the one adrenaline rushing scene edge of your seat kind of stuff mm, because it comes from this tension of the wilderness it was very well done obviously a cgi bear but like you couldn't do that with a real bear but the bears throwing around picking him up throwing against a tree and clawing at him as well and mm. you're seeing the flesh wound do you know what i mean and like i was gonna say you're seeing it in real time but you're seeing it in one shot it's yeah. not cutting the bear you don't see the bear claw at his shoulder it cuts to the close-up of his shoulder and the wound is but it's in one shot uh, the, and it um, looks great western fighting style <laughs> jackie chan quick cuts now yeah. it's not like that some people are calling it a rape scene. Yeah, I don't quite get that. Well, it's the shot where it's... From the low angle, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the bear is on top and he's bouncing on top of him. Is that the bit? Yeah, and it's the bear paws pushing down on Leo's head. And I mean, there were snickers in the audience. An unintentionally hilarious moment where Leo falls down the cliff mm-hmm. first. Well, it's not as cliff, but it's like a steep incline. It's yeah, a steep hill. Uh, like, 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 yeah. And he rolls down it first. The bear has its uh, Oscar moment of the death scene. You know... <laughs> Boom. And then he rolls down the hill, the bear. Oh, Mama Bear, sorry, excuse me. She yeah. rolls down the hill. And she ends up lying on top of Leo in a compromising like position. A fat man falling on a thin man. And there was a lot of sniggering in the theatre. There's a lot of people laughing at that. There were some unintentionally funny humorous. moments in that film. Yeah. But the last fight scene. As I say, Tom Hardy is the antagonist to Leo's protagonist. And there is a glorious end fight scene where Leo survived it all and he's pulled through. But his son is obviously still dead mm. but he's gonna kill tom hardy he's tracking him down so leo has an axe fitzgerald tom hardy he has a knife and they basically take turns stabbing each other cutting small mm. cutting fingers off i mean stabbing hands but it got it got a little bit unintentionally funny look about halfway through oh you mean like, like the way you um, have your bit i'll take my bit you have your bit i'll take my bit i think it was the fact that tom hardy's reaction to having his fingers cut off by an axe i think he kind of went like yeah 
<laughs> but he went ah! but then he was okay with it he could still kind of fight back but i like that it felt very human i felt like it, you know you see in fight scenes there uh, everyone is very marcus of queensbury you'll have your punch i'll have my punch whereas this but is that's like what it felt like every- they were trading stabbing no they were trading stabbings but it was like gritty uh tom hardy stabs leo i think leo responds by cutting tom hardy's mm. fingers off but for but it, there but- was a great bit though where they um they both had the knife mm. And they were trying to stab each other with the same knife. Yeah, it's going was to and throwing to. I felt like, really ev- tense ev- at that moment. Ev- there is a brilliant line at the end. And I love that line. Yeah. That, Where he knows he's done for. Tom Hardy knows he's done, Fitzgerald. But it was like one last. Yeah, like, you're going to kill me, but you know, I still fucked you over. I still killed your son. Mm. Going to enjoy your revenge, huh? Ain't going to bring your son back. And that was, oh, like the delivery of it as well was spot on. It was off the tongue. Like, it was, whilst it, it I'm wasn't killing you, yeah, you're giving but, me shit. Okay, so would you recommend people see this film? Absolutely. Would I don't re- think it was amazing, but it was good. It was really good. Would you recommend them watching it purely in the cinema, or do you yes. think it works in the small screen? I don't think it would work. Whereas I said The Assassin, yeah. because it is so vibrant Cinematic. and colourful, you could still, it's still, that would come through on a small screen. Okay. This, that feeling that you were mentioning earlier, you alluded to earlier. Hmm of being out in the wilderness you really are there i think this cinema experience yeah i think it is necessary for this film the sound design was really really good oh yeah but absolutely definitely recommend the revenant if you can stand a slow burn no you really like scenic shots i would recommend the assassin i wouldn't say stand if you can if you can actually live in the moment of what the movie is asking for yeah two hours two and a half i think it's about two the revenant was about two and a half hours uh, yeah for two hours, if you can cut yourself off and actually live in a in a reality someone else is asking you to live in. That's one thing. I would say see it in a cinema, but don't go with a big group of friends. It's not the kind of movie you want your friends chatting to you throughout. That's oh, and if you, if you can't stand violence, don't go see it at all. It is brutally violent. There was a woman like in the row in front of us. Like Every time someone got an arrow to the eyeball, or even just when Leah had to eat a raw fish, she was just covering her eyes. Like, oh, God. Oh, there are some people that She might have been a so... vegan, maybe. I don't know, but... Oh no, that's so goddamn stupid. Oh, let's not get started on that. Okay. Anyway, let's end this. This yeah. is going on way too long. Just quick, what I intend to see next week. Ooh, what are we seeing next week? I want to see The Big Short. Uh, the other one is Spotlight. I'm going to see Rams. Do you know that one? Icelandic film about two, but uh, in their 60s, sheep farmers. They're brothers. Yeah. But they haven't spoken to each other for 40 years. They had a falling out, I think, over a woman, something like that. A fatal disease spreads out amongst their sheep. And the government comes in and says, okay, look, this could jump. This disease could jump to humans. So we have to cull all the sheep now. And they, they rekindle their brother. When's it playing? Uh, I think it's out this week. Where's it playing? I'm going to go see it at the ICA at the mall. The uh, Institute of Contemporary Arts. Wasn't on at Cineworld. Oh, Tuesday, I'm going to an Owen Jones talk okay. about a new type of politics. Now, of course, anyone who listened to last week's episode knows I think politics is completely dead. So I'm curious to see what Owen comes up with and if he can actually undo my cynicism. But anyway, thank you for listening. Hope to see you next week. Thank you.